0: We are live. Hey, (laughs) Barry Wolf.
1: Hello. Great seeing you. How are
0: you?
1: I'm great. I hope you are. I am awesome.
0: I'm going to text and welcome everyone. And we will start, as you know, I always like to start right on time. So as the clock turns six, we will start because we've got a lot. I'll be here in the office till 830 tonight. But I think it's going to go very fast.
1: Got some great, great speakers, great guests coming on. I know
0: just like you. A great topic. Great topic. A yep. topic that is near and dear to our hearts since we yep. live here. Yeah. Right. For sure. Okay. It's six o'clock. We are going to start. Uh, my first guest tonight, this is for those of you joining the Miami market update. And why did I do this? I did this because I was in Dallas a couple of months ago and everyone was flocking to me. Tell me about Miami. Is it as hot as everyone says it is? Florida seems to be on fire I was in New York last week same questions what's going on down there and I thought well let me get some of my friends together and and let them give you all the responses that you are asking me about because they're the experts uh, you know I, I I'm a tiny bit representative of South Florida owning my five shopping centers but I figured I'll get Barry uh, the, the single tenant net expert. I'll get Lyle, who's high street retail and luxury retail. I get, uh, Terry Blanca with office, Chris Drew lending, Larry Janae, um, industrial, uh, Mitch Feldman self storage and, um, Michelle from luxury sales. So a big night ahead. And we're going to just jump right in Barry. So Mm -hmm. tell the audience you're with Marcus and Miller senior managing director. How is 2022 for you?
1: We've had a good year. I mean, the mar- it was definitely, I'd say, first half loaded to a degree, um, which I, I kind of anticipated going into the year. I thought, and we can get into this in predictions for 2023, I thought 2022 would be a really good year for what we do, which is investment sales of net lease properties and shopping centers. We do net lease all over the country. We do shopping centers predominantly in Central and South Florida. Uh, I thought this would be a year where, you know, the inch cap rates and market velocity would be stronger the first half of the year than the second half of the year, because, you know, this time last year, to me, it seemed pretty obvious that interest rates would be going up over the course of 2022, which is obviously what happened. Therefore, cap rates and the market would trail. And therefore, I thought the market would be stronger the first half of the year than the second. And that's that's what happened. Um, so we had a we've had a really good year uh, and we're, we're still trading deals. I mean, the market has quieted a little bit. And we'll talk about, you know, less in Florida than other markets as we're going to be talking about. Uh, but it's no, it's been a very strong year. And I think I'm excited about looking forward to 2023. Yeah.
0: And you guys sold the shopping center for me a few months ago, right? We great, did. Great cap rate. What we thought we didn't really have any correction. It was just at the start of the in- interest rates going up. We
1: were kind of holding our breath, but we got what we were looking for. So I was very happy. I just say we did that. Timing could not have been better. I mean, that was right as interest rates were starting to increase. And now I think that'd be a tough number to replicate in reality, just because interest rates are probably several hundred basis points higher than they were when we traded that just, was it, a couple months ago. I mean, and that, you know, when you're talking larger multi-tenant shopping center or any larger sales, interest rates impact that. They just, they just do. And I think that'd be tough to replicate that pricing today.
0: So do you, how much, what percentage of your the buyers that buy your listings are 1031 exchange buyers?
1: I think probably about 80, north of 80%. So very significantly driven by 1031 exchange capital, which is, you know, as larger sales, I was going to say dry up, but that's, too, that's far too strong of a word. But as larger sales declined to a degree, that does trickle down and impact 1031 exchanges. If you don't transact on a sale you obviously are not going into a 1031 exchange. So I think we're going to see that decline a bit. I've been telling folks, I mean, you and I were both in the business and for a long time, but certainly 2009, 10, 11, 12, that market just was dead. I mean, for a couple of years, there, transaction velocity was off 90 plus percent. I don't think anything we're experiencing now or will see in 2023 is remotely comparable to that. Uh, so I think we might see a slight decline in transaction velocity, but nothing like the, you know the great financial crisis back you know 10 15 years ago i don't think we're re- anything in that sort of velocity you know, area at all well you know i i agree with that
0: and what tell me with with 1031 buyers how interest you know so they have the cash 90 percent mm-hmm. of the time they're just rolling their uh proceeds into a new deal are, are they're not getting loans unless the 1031 is a partial investment of the new deal right Right. Some
1: of them, some of them to get debt, uh, a significant portion of the buyers we're working with, particularly in single tenant deals happen and are all cash. Uh, again, when you get into larger transactions, whether that's single tenant or multi-tenant like you and I worked on, you didn't do tend to get you know, debt involved. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, we've got a $12 million single tenant deal under contract closing later this month in New York. And that is, that is all cash. Uh, so we've, you know, even larger transactions can certainly be all cash. But as you get to larger price points, they too tend to, you know, get a little bit more in in line with debt involved.
0: Right, and then that's when interest rates come into play. Correct. Right. Correct. What are you seeing the cap rate um, ch- cap rate changes with single tenant deals right now? We have,
1: I think we're seeing some movement. Uh, I'd say over the last probably ninety, you know, sixty to ninety days. Uh, I'd say on average, we've probably seen. 25 to 35 basis point increase. And I think my gut feel is looking out into the first half of next year, the first quarter or two, I think we see similar, maybe another 25 to 35 basis point increase. We anticipate another Fed you know, fund rate increase coming here shortly. The speculation is now 50 basis points, um, though I think you know, some folks are still anticipating maybe it's 75. And I think you know, the expectation is we see probably one more increase early next year. Now the thought is probably 50 basis points, and then hopefully hopefully that's it for a while. And I think I've always been a believer, uncertainty in any economic cycle and anything to do with the economy and real estate, certainly, uncertainty is the worst thing in the world. And we've had a lot of uncertainty, and I think that's impacted the market and the economy. And I think we're very close to having some certainty. Even if it's that rates are higher, once folks realize, okay, the Fed announces we're, we're done for a while raising rates, now we can all figure out how do we do deals. And that even if interest rates are higher, it, maybe the cap rates are a little bit higher, you get into private lending and other sources. So there's a lot of ways to get deals done once there's some more certainty. And I think we're real close to having that. And even just the last two weeks, we've seen offer velocity really spike compared to the prior, say, 30 days when... There was a lot of more uncertainty. Just we're starting to get that certainty. And I think folks are starting to get you know, get back in the market with more, more aggression than, than they were the prior month or two.
0: So, yeah, I think it's going to be 50 uh, on Wednesday when he announces. Wouldn't it be great if he you know, gave us all a present and said there won't be any more increases after this?
1: That'd be great. I think that that the market would soar. I don't anticipate. I think the expectations we're going to see at least one more rate increase. But even if that, I mean, I think the market's kind of baked that in. Uh, so I don't think that that would be that's too much of a negative at all. So I think we're all expecting that. But yeah, that'd be a that'd be quite a, a present from the Chairman Powell.
0: Well, I think it will be interesting to see what CPI comes in at tomorrow, right? right? right. And if CPI right. drops again, you never know. And and I, then I right. think that it then it, it will. We'll see what christmas sales do in retail that will also play into what they do you know in the next fed meeting also i right. think absolutely so are you seeing so th- we're talking about south florida the mm-hmm. state of florida we yes. were talking before we got on the call share with the audience I, I i'm pretty astounded what you shared with me how you thought the cities in ranking kind of shifted um, recently? In, I guess in the last year or two, share with see, the audience what you the think. The last couple
1: of years. I mean, going back a few years, I mean, South Florida has always been, or at least in you know, recent history, the last probably decade or longer, has been really, really hot. Uh, and I always looked at it, the further south you were, the stronger it was. Miami was a little bit stronger than Fort Lauderdale. Fort Lauderdale was a little bit stronger than Palm Beach. And now, I think the last few years, South Florida kind of gets lumped together. Maybe Dade's a little bit it's unique animal. Uh, it's a very different culture, and it's it's kind of viewed a little differently from a, you know, capital coming from overseas. So you've got Tri-County, Miami-Dade, Broward, Palm Beach County, I think are viewed very strongly from investors coming out of the Northeast in particular. And once that I'll throw out with you, we've seen, uh, just with our company in recent years, outbound coming out of the New York, the Northeast market, $7.78 billion in capital leaving the Northeast market, coming to the Sunbelt states. And Florida is a huge beneficiary of that. And inbound in the Southeast, you've seen $9.2 billion of capital coming into the Southeast and Florida being a disproportionate beneficiary of that. And what I think what we've seen the last couple of years in particular is Orlando and Tampa, and it's not that South Florida has gone backwards at all. South Florida has progressed. South Florida has only gotten stronger. But Orlando and Tampa in the eyes of investors and, and the economy in general in those markets I think it's now on par with South Florida. Uh, And now I think you've got kind of Central Florida South. And frankly, I think when the bright line opens up in the next year or two, you're going to see, I think these are all going to become one economy to a degree where kind of Central Florida South all blends together as as one massive, very, very strong economy. One of the strongest, if not the strongest in the country, similar rivaling Southern California and the uh, Bay Area in California. I mean, I think you're going to see that happen. And it's really we're seeing that where Orlando, Tampa are as strong as anywhere in the country right now. So tell me those numbers again. You
0: said $7.78 billion is coming in from the Northeast? Coming
1: from the Northeast. And I say disproportionately, that's the New York market. And then coming into, into the Southeast, the Sunbelt, $9.2 billion. And disproportionately, I think you see a significant portion of that. Florida, as compared to the Sunbelt, the sun does not include Texas. Texas kind of its own area, but you're including Georgia, the Carolinas, Tennessee, which are all great markets. And there's a whole, there's been a tremendous flight of capital to the Sunbelt region in general. But Florida is definitely the biggest beneficiary of that, particularly capital coming out of the Northeast, New York, New Jersey. So many of those folks have second and third homes in Florida. They understand the market. They've got friends who already live here. So Florida is a tr- huge beneficiary. And we were seeing capital flooding in the market into Florida from the New York area pre-COVID. And that's only been exaggerated since COVID. I mean, we all know, we've got a lot of friends and folks we know that literally picked up and left New York areas and moved to Florida. We've seen folks that are doing that with investments and literally just buying you know, first homes, second homes, and you know, whether they're leaving New York permanently or coming out of the second home, we've, we've had been a huge beneficiary of that where, frankly, a lot of clients and folks are just leave, taking capital out of the Northeast and moving it to Florida.
0: Well, so two things. One, we've got, Tony Burke is asking, do you think St. Pete is as strong as Tampa?
1: Do you consider it one? I'd say, well, you've got the Waterside project. You've got some enormous projects in the downtown Tampa area, but yeah, St. Pete as well. I mean, I would say right there on par. I mean, there's a lot of talk about the Devil Rays, the redeveloping that project, the waterfront. So St. Pete, I do see mentioned by a lot of folks as being a very, very strong market. St. Pete, Clearwater, Tampa, Lakewood Ranch, Bradenton. I mean, you've got, that's a very, almost the size of not quite the tri-county down here, but Tampa's market is enormous geographically yeah. and it kind of bleeds and, over to, to Orlando. And it will be very interesting to see what happens as a result of the
0: hurricane. We all know what happened here in 92 with Andrew, right. where Broward County became what it is today, Pembroke Pines, because of Hurricane Andrew. So we'll, that whole Bonita Beach, Fort Myers area, those people need those, to go somewhere.
1: You say that, but those areas are still on fire. In fact, I was reading an article over the weekend from Redfin. and It was ranking based on searches. Where are people that are looking to relocate? Where are they searching? Where do they want to relocate? And five of the top 10 markets are state of Florida, Miami being first. But then Tampa actually being second, they're number five overall nationally, but then Cape Coral and Northport and Orlando. So wow. Cape Coral, Fort Myers is still, that has not scared people away. I mean, you get a lot of, like you a lot of Midwesterners, you're you're supposed to be in Cape Coral, Fort Myers, like, if you followed your roots. A lot of folks from Chicago, Milwaukee, uh, those states tend to gravitate more to the west coast of the state, more so than South Florida. So you're a little unique. I don't know what it was like back well, then, you know, but no, I mean, well, the I west coast... The-
0: I followed the Cuban boyfriend What do you, you know, we were on this. Okay, song.
1: there you go. But no, I mean, the, a lot of Midwesterners really still, I think even after Ian, I think it'll take another brutal hurricane before that would even possibly shift. But no, West Coast, Cape Coral, Fort Myers, Northport, um, those areas I think are still as strong as they were pre-Ian. I, I don't think that changes.
0: Well, so I have a stat for you in response to your stat you gave us. Where is it? In 2022, $24 billion of wealth Mm -hmm. came to South Florida from the Northeast and California, $24 billion of wealth. The next, the next largest influx of wealth was Texas at 6 billion. So 24 billion came to us and 6 billion went to Texas.
1: And it outflows from California to Texas largely, but also Florida, but, and then Northeast to Florida. I mean, the outflow of that is huge amounts of wealth leaving New York and coming, you know, if it's leaving the Northeast, it's largely to Florida, much more than Texas. We
0: got a lot of people commenting on politics, which we won't go there, right. <laughs> talking about Florida and our politics. And it's, our- po-
1: it's definitely politics are part of it and not For, you know, endorsing regret. any kids, but also weather. I mean, it's definitely, you know, forgetting the hurricanes, but that's part of it and, But politics and just the openness of it are absolutely part of it. And also just so many Northeasterners already have family and friends that are down here. And if they're wealthy, they may even have already had a second home or came down for vacation. So it's just it's a very comfortable cultural shift for folks from the Northeast to South Florida. And again, from the Midwest to the West Coast of the Florida, uh, again, it's a very, very comfortable cultural shift. And that I don't think you can underestimate that either.
0: For sure. Okay, so predictions 2023. So what do you think about cap rates for single tenant deals? Are they going I mean, to go are I, they gonna go I, up and then go down? Or are they gonna what are they gonna do?
1: I as I said this time last year, I really felt like this would be a front half loaded year that cap rates would be stronger the first half of the year than the second half of the year, that market velocity would be stronger the first half of the year and the second half of the year. I've been saying I it's as a prediction. I don't feel quite as comfortable with this as I did last year. I think next year is a mirror of this year. I think the first half of the year. The second half of the year will be stronger than the first half of the year. Cap rates will be trending downward, meaning compressing the second half of the year. Uh, interest rates, I hope, will be you know, decreasing or declining the second half of the year. So I think I don't think the first half of the year is going to be a lost six months by any stretch, uh, but I do feel like we will see a stronger second half of the year. Typically, from a velocity standpoint, first quarter tends to be the least velocity of the four quarters in the year. Fourth quarter tends to be the strongest this year. First and second quarter nationally were stronger than the fourth quarter. This has been a unique year. And I think first quarter will still be a little slow next year. I think it will ramp up second quarter. And I think third and fourth, I think, will be very, very strong. I really I think it'll be again, I think it'll be kind of a mirror image of this year.
0: Well, and I think the closest the closer we get to the presidential election will definitely impact the interest rates
1: likely, yeah. we talked about that in the last election, correct? I, I think you're right, where you start to get pres, you know, politics involved and you start to get some pressure on the Fed to lower rates. And, and I think there'll be, I think just the economy and hopefully inflation will be lowering. And I think there'll be reasons whether we get any increases, declump increases in the Fed funds rates, hopefully the second half of the year. But I think you'll just see interest rates start to normalize uh, with lowering of rates the second half of the year, I do believe.
0: So, of course, since I'm in retail, which is the most in-demand single tenant tenant right now? So if someone calls you and says, I, you know, forget the cap rates, which is the most in-demand tenant?
1: Cannabis. It's all about cannabis. No, no. <laughs> no it's actually that is in-demand. I don't the Most in-demand tenant on single tenant side. I'm going to go maybe like Chick-fil-A. Um, I thought you'd say either Chick-fil-A or Wawa. Wawa is very strong. I mean, fast food, Sea stores absolutely. I mean, I would say Wawa, Racetrack, fast food, Taco Bell, Chick-fil-A, Chipotle. It's kind of the brands we all know. um, And we're starting to see those cap rates come up just a little bit, but just strength of strong tenants. I mean, Wawa, absolutely. I mean, if I could, I wish I had a dozen Wawa deals right now um, yeah, I mean, they're very much in demand. Again, those strong C-stores, QSRs, um, cannabis, uh, any of the strong operators, absolutely. Yeah.
0: So uh, I'm going to ask you the final question, which you know what it is. But before I do that, how can people reach you? What's the best way for them to reach you?
1: Right, easiest, look me up on LinkedIn, shoot me a direct message. Um, I'm easy to, I'm, I don't hide. I'm easy to find.
0: Awesome. Okay, so the last question, I'm going to ask everyone this. Mm-hmm. South Florida, are we going to have a recession?
1: I honestly, what I've been yelling and screaming about it, I just wish the media would shut up about a recession. I mean, there's going, there will be a recession, whether it's next year, this you know, whether it's now, next year, the following year. The media makes this out to be like, oh my God, oh my God, there's a recession coming. The economy is doomed. We have a recession every five to six years on average. You and I both have been through multiple recessions. I think people just need to chill out. I mean, let the media, I guess they've got to get viewers obviously. So they got to talk about a recession. There will be a recession in South Florida nationally. I don't know that it'll be next year. I don't know when it will be. There will be one, but it's, the sky is not falling. Uh, Every recession is not. In fact, the last time we had a recession like 2008 was in 1930 some odd. It was the great depression. So the next recession does not figure to be anything like the, the great recession, Um, I don't personally, if we do have one next year in South Florida, I'll let you go because I know you had others. I think it will be light. I don't think it will be anything like we had back in the last recession was brutal. It's kind of what's on our mind. So we're scared to death of it. So that's why I think people are fearing this next recession. I I don't think there will be much of one next year, but again, don't, don't let that drag you down. Don't let the media, don't play into the media. Uh, Don't feel like you can't get out of bed when we finally do have a recession because there will be a recession in the, Somewhere around the bend, because there always is.
0: Eddie Gonzalez said he likes that. He likes Barry saying "chill out." You know, <laughs> um, in the last, you know, I watch CNBC every morning, and in the last five days, they 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 have completely changed their tune and are now talking soft landing. Completely, right. they've done right. a one eighty, which is great. Which is Agreed. what I've been saying forever.
1: Yeah, because we, I, I am a believer. I mean, a self fulfilling prophecy can be a reset. If we all get afraid of that, we all stop spending. And GDP goes down. There you go. We're in a recession. I mean, that's, that's not, what a recession is. You're not stopping
0: is. spending, right? You're going to New York this weekend. Go, I was just there. I spent yep. a lot of money. Go spend a lot of money.
1: Sounds good. Thanks, Beth.
0: Happy Bye holidays. Everybody. Thanks, Barry.
1: Thank you all. Bye.
0: Lyle Stern. Let me see. Hey, how, you, how, are you, how are you, sir? Doing great. How
2: come I didn't see
0: you in New York? I don't know we were supposed of to have
2: dinner, right? And then there were too many people. There.
0: Exactly. There were nice a lot time. of people that I did not run into that I know were there. And it was a very electric conference. We're all ta- we are talking about the International Council of Shopping Centers. They don't even call it that anymore. But the ICSE in New York last week, probably one of the best shopping center conferences I've been to in my 36 years of doing this. It was so electric.
2: Agreed. And the herd was thinned, and it was robust. And I believe that everybody that was there, was not an expensive to go um, I think everybody that was that was there really was deal making mode. Either Absolutely. had product, had capital, had you know tenants. Most of our tenants were represented there. Almost every landlord we worked with in South Florida was represented there. So I think it was quite robust.
0: So I'm, people are commenting; they're having a hard time hearing you.
2: Okay, let me pop these off.
0: So let's make a change there cuz we want to hear every word. Say it again? How's that? That's better. Okay. So, Lyle Stern, president of Conover Stern, been in the business almost as long as I have, about the same 36 years I'm going on, and you are the expert of what I find what I call luxury retails and high street retail. So, tell us about 2022 in Miami and South Florida for you and your clients and your landlords.
2: So, our area, thank you. By the way, thanks for having me on. It's always great to see you, even if it's electronically. Um, our area of focus generally is Dave Brown and Palm Beach. We do things around other parts of the state, but I think those are the areas that, that we understand really, really well. So, we get to see it through the lens of our tenants, we get to see it through the lens of new developments. Um, I've never I've been doing this over 30 years. I've never seen the robust level of activity spurned by COVID. There's no question. We all know all the reasons why the migration that occurred down here. And I remember when, you know, they started closing the borders and, you know, things were falling apart and we were on the phone with our lenders and, and with our tenants and, you know, holding everybody's hand, never expecting that we you know be coming through this trans-COVID, post-COVID period the way that we are. But, What what we're finding in our world is this nodal activity, that there are areas that were really not on the development horizon before COVID or were on the slow development horizon during COVID that are just erupting. Some of them we're we're all familiar with, whether it's Wynwood, Design District, Brickell, South Beach, Lincoln Road, South of 5th. Um, Bow Harbor, Sunny Isles, Aventura, almost any place you touch in Dade County, Doral, where, where we're actively engaged in some development work. Um, but downtown West Palm Beach um, has, has been not, not a huge surprise, but a huge velocity. It's occurred at both on the island and Palm Beach. Again, because you know lots of people were living down here, the restaurants were full, especially during COVID, and we're seeing that lingering effect afterwards where you would have thought that areas of Palm Beach, we go back to where they were pre-COVID in terms of numbers of people that are here, but the reality is offices have moved, offices have shifted and we're we're seeing in areas like downtown. So that's the island of Palm Beach, downtown West Palm Beach with related project. And it's been Pac-Man as they gobble up office buildings around them because of the demand that they're seeing from the translation coming from predominantly New York, some Chicago, but the New York metro area. And the open-to-buy-for-office space they have, the amount of office space that they've acquired and are adding, the level of activity with, with F&B that that has um, you know committed to going to Rosemary. And we're seeing that now uh, also in Nora, which is a development area that probably most listeners and most folks aren't really familiar with. It's an area just north um, of where Rosemary is in downtown uh, West Palm What's it called? It's called Nora, N-O-R-A. And uh, it's a development group. It's Wheelock Capital. It's Joe First, who is a disciple of Tony Goldman. Um, and they've recently announced that Richard Bourne is a prominent New York hotelier. The, the Bowery and the Mercer has joined their development team as a partner. They'll be making some pretty substantial restaurant announcements. I don't want to get ahead of their messaging. But what it's done is it's shifted us into looking at that project, the project that while we believed in weren't sure of what the timing was the announcements that they're going to make uh in the near future create that as another bullseye in palm beach so and, and palm beach is this amazing market because it's Boca, it's wellington it's jupiter it's um you know it's the cuesta so it, it, it ends up being, being the gravity model in the northern part of palm beach county so we're seeing these notes. You know, Wellington is as strong as it's ever been. Palm Beach is as strong as it's ever been. What's happened on Las Olas and Port Lauderdale and Flagler Village and uh, and along the the, uh, the Las Olas River and just the thousands of units that are in the development pipeline, thousands in each of these markets. I mean, what we've seen happen at Flagler Village um, is is pretty spectacular. And the level of developers and where they're coming from and the the units and the unit sizes. Um, and, and that continues all the way down, really east of 95, all the way down you know, to, to even what we're seeing now in Homestead. You know, clearly not uh, uh, an area that has the, the, the level of luxury retail, but a level that almost every neighborhood retailer is looking at. So when I take a step back and I, and I look at the mass migration and the mass horizontal development, the intense vertical development that's occurring, again, east of 95, and then when I when I dive into the micro markets and the beach, I don't like the back of my hand. So when I look at Lincoln and Collins is a perfect example, and I look at the Ritz Carlton doing the 100 room expansion, uh, the Whitcoffs of Monroe capital buying the shore club and doing a magnificent Robert A.M. Stern residential tower on the ocean and taking the, the shore club hotel, the former shore club hotel, where we all used to go to Nobu and announce that um, uh, they're doing a, hotel with a Burge from Napa in the front. And uh, Michael Schoen, what he's doing at the Raleigh and the two adjacent properties with the Rosewood Hotel and Residences and the Bulgari Hotel and the Amman Hotel. So you have billions of luxury residential development that is underway, either approved or underway on the eastern part of, of Miami Beach around Lincoln Road. They'll have this incredible bleed-over impact uh, into our shopping districts and our restaurant districts. And, you know, we quote restaurant rents in South Florida, like we're handing out apples. I mean, it's nothing for us to say, this one did 12 million. This one did 15 million. This one did 18 million. This one's doing 30 million. Um, whether it's, you know, gecko, pappy steak, Milos, Mila, Joe stone crab. Um, you know, the, the major food guys with carbon and hustle and, and, um, so we have this incredibly robust nodal uh southeast florida development with lots of neighborhoods it's not like there's one go-to it's almost like new york with all its neighborhoods in manhattan and then you add you know dumbo and and you know you go to la and la's got 50 different neighborhoods so it's a long way of saying that we're bullish um we are out of great space in certain markets for tenants who have to wait for the next round of development to come out of the ground and are looking to pre-commit. We're, I'm I'm incredibly comfortable, and I say that carefully, because part of what's driving our economy is also the shift of of office space to Southeast Florida. And even with the conversation you and I saw in New York uh, you could just feel on the streets that people weren't necessarily back in their office. But when I look at the office commitments being made in downtown West Palm, downtown Miami, Brickell, uh, and South Beach, and who's signing leases and who's moving here and who's moving capital here and who's moving their offices here, a few, it, it triggers a few things. One, and I've really learned this from our from our office broker friends, is those firms, whether it's you know, Citadel or Tomo Bravo or Blackstone or Uber or whoever else is coming to the market that's either new or expanding, um, a lot of their, their C-suite executives haven't moved here yet because the buildings aren't done yet. So that's a migration that's gonna continue. We look at 830 Brickle, almost a million square feet, it's hundred percent leased. at rates higher than they ever expected before the building is is completed. And those folks, for the most part, haven't moved here. Yes, some of them are just trading buildings, but the far majority of, of that space is new to market space. Right. So right. there's a lot going on here. And, and all that drives retail and restaurants, which is how I see the world.
0: I, I, yeah, I have a note to talk to Terry Blanca. I've, someone told me 2 million new to market office users signing leases, 2 million square feet.
2: Well, the, listen. The 830 Brook is is one million in and of itself, not counting. And, and Terry knows much more than I do, but not counting Winwood Design District, right. South Beach. You know, Michael Schiavo is is developing two brand new buildings. One designed by Norman Foster. One designed by Peter Marino. And is reskinning uh, an office building on Lincoln Road with Norman Foster. So, and and again, Terry knows more than I do. What we're finding is there are a lot of people living on the beach that want an office on the beach. A lot of wealth has moved here. So we're, we're all very fortunate to be
0: here. Yeah, the, the uh, I don't know if you heard me when I was talking to Barry. The stat that I heard was $24 billion of wealth moved to South Florida during COVID compared to Texas, which got six. So, so let me ask you, you said we're running out of space. You know, I'm on these calls all the time with South Florida brokers, landlords. You know, we have our think tanks no new development. So are these projects that you're naming off left and right, are they going to have reta- ground floor retail, which frankly, pre-COVID, you would agree, ground floor retail, which was the tail that wagged the, the dog, sat empty for a long time because it wasn't, no no ventilation, no grease traps, etc. You're now starting to see those fill up because we don't, we're running out of space, exactly what you said. So are you seeing retail developments? We're not seeing a lot of flat developments, everything is vertical. So what's your thought about that? And then um, I've heard recently, I was at a, a ICSE in Delray two weeks ago and talked to a, an F&B broker. And he said, I have not done a restaurant deal without key money in the last six months. And I haven't heard that term since, you know, the 80s no. or 90s. Yeah, so, that's, that's so two things, develop new development and key money, chat about those two things.
2: So we're seeing a lot of new developments. They're, they're larger in scale than we're used to, but smaller in scale compared to other places around the country. So whether it's Design District, Wynwood, uh, Brickle, South Beach, uh, uh, you know, Palm Beach, because you've got to go vertical just because of the cost of the land uh, and the opportunity, because a lot of things were built single level because there was really no reason to go vertical. But now we're finding a lot of Single level retail centers being demolished or parking lots being built on because there's a strong need for either office or residential or medical or integrated uh, you know, senior housing. So we have lots of pockets of new needs in our market as well. It's not just retail or office that, that, uh, that creates this. So I think we're going to see more and more vertical development. And I think that the developers that will be the most successful will be the ones that engage, you know, great development consultants and brokers to figure out how to pre-plan that space. The columns are in the right space. The vent stack's in the right place. The grease traps are in, in advance. You know, there's a lot of pre-planning. You and I have seen it that good space in good markets is easier to lease than, than bad space in good markets. So uh, I just had this conversation with a developer before I joined this call. Um where he's ready to break ground and he's saying, you know, when should I hire a broker? And I said, last year, you know, <laughs> and the plans need a lot of work. So I, I, think- I had a,
0: I had a developer call me and said, I'm having a hard time leasing space. I said, well, that's a problem in this market. And it's down the street from a property that I own. And um, I said, well, send me the site plan. He goes, Oh, I said, Oh, that deal. I said, yeah, I know your problem on the main it's, it's, it's on a main street, 50,000 cars, and then a perpendicular tertiary street. The residential developer put the water retention on the main street and built the retail on the tertiary street. Of course. I said, Why would you? <laughs> You're going to continue to have a problem, Lisa, that sucker.
2: <laughs> so important the plan is right because we're going to see more and more of them. The good news is that I'm finding that the level of sophistication the developers, like the architectural community will catch up. And we have amazing architects here, but it's opened the door to great architects from around the country that have great expertise in developing these types of of communities and structures, especially since the majority of developers we're seeing are coming from outside of our market as well. I mean, we look at Miami World Center, not so sure there's a developer there that was here before. Um, And I think that's a good thing actually.
0: Okay, so you want to chat about—is it true, key money everywhere?
2: You know, we haven't seen that much to be quite candid. We, we leased uh, not an insignificant amount of restaurant space in our markets um, during COVID. There was no key money; landlords were just happy to have tenants. Right. So now, because the bulk of the space in the better markets that we work in is gone, there aren't enough. There aren't a lot of transactions. There aren't a lot of. There's not a lot of space left. Um, if I had a great space on brickle tomorrow, in, in a restaurant space, would we get key money for it? I believe we would. No question. And I,
0: heard someone told me brickle rents for retail are north of 130.
2: Yeah, I mean we've seen restaurant rents north of one hundred, retail rents north of one hundred and thirty. We've lost deals for tenants of ours in competition with other tenants that uh, it turns into to a bidding war. I'm not so sure the last time we saw that. But Beth, I would tell you the other thing: some some landlords really think it through. Almost depending upon where they are in their deal cycle, better to have more rent than key money because of the cap rate and selling price. For so sure. You know, pick do you want key money or do you want cap rate? It depends when you're going to exit and what your
0: needs are. For sure. Well, you know, the, um, the, I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, damn it. I had a really good idea. Well. Um, so my question I'm asking everyone, and then when I remember, I'm going to come back and ask you the other thing, is um, recession in South Florida. Are we going to have one? or or and, and what are your predictions for 2023? And in that, will there be a recession in South Florida?
2: So I think that generally speaking, you know, people get concerned about spending money when they're concerned about a recession. I, I think we have an incredibly affluent base uh, in South Florida, when we talk about South Florida, big area, I'm really talking about 95 East for the most part. I mean, we have great pockets like Weston, et cetera, but generally speaking, um, I find that we have so much flight capital here and so much commitment to open offices and so, so many real estate transactions coming that if we do have a recession other than, than interest rates continuing to tip up, you know, to tick up, which will impact all of us. Um, I think it will be tough to feel really do it. now you know, different, it's all income-based as well, right? I mean, if, if you're making, you know, less money and, and you're concerned about spending money, it really makes all the sense in the world. Um, and I don't mean this, you know, I say this kind of tongue-in-cheek, but if the decision is on buying, you know, four, Rex, four Rolexes versus five Rolexes this year, it's different than am I buying groceries. So I'm, I'm sensitive to both ends of the spectrum. So sure. we I remember, say, it's gonna I be remember
0: what I was going to say. So I have tenant rep brokers calling me now, asking me about future expirations, like 26 and 27. And and you know, tongue in cheek, I say if I had it, I wouldn't start negotiating now. But are you are you seeing that people calling landlords? You know, they're saying, do you have any weak tenants? Are any tenants moving out? It's 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 just crazy what's going on right now.
2: So we're working a few deals where the opportunity is when a tenant doesn't have an option, and there's an opportunity for them to get paid to leave earlier. Is it worth it to them? So that's something we haven't done a lot of before that we're getting quite a few calls on now from both landlords and tenants, tenants that know that their space is worth more than they're paying and the landlord would love to have it back and landlords that know that they have tenants with you know, sub five. We're actually working on one lease that has four and a half years left that we have a tenant who's looking to, to buy out. Uh, a tenant is in possession that is looking at it and saying, this may not be such a bad idea.
0: Excellent. Well, I like that story. So tell me about, you remember you? Uh, why, a few years ago, you were working on the market that's north of Wynwood. What's, what was that called?
2: So it's uh, Winwood Norte. If it's west of west of Biscayne, right? So Wynwood Norte sits between Wynwood and, and the design district, uh, west of, of uh, Midtown and east of 95. And it's an area that's gone through some rezoning and will be the next to go through some gentrification. I think the challenge is really the need to uh, accumulate uh, several folios to make it worthwhile. Right. But, but like Buena Vista, I think we're going to see an uptick in the quality of the residential there as well because of the level of investment in single family
0: homes. So is anything keeping you up at night in the South Florida commercial real estate retail world as a landlord or a tenant broker?
2: So is a landlord I worry about interest rates as we as we have mortgages that are rolling? Um
0: oh the next speaker can help you with that.
2: I think that's probably the 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 biggest Chris. issue. Yeah, other than that, quite candidly, it's it's being in the competition for new and emerging markets. You know, we're super excited about Alipada, where we've uh, Alipada.
0: Best- That's the one I was going oh, to. Yeah,
2: yeah. Alipada is is uh, is on a great growth trajectory. It's really where the larger bone uh, museums are landing. the Bell Museum, of course, at 150,000 feet, with the uh, LeCou restaurant, which is Jeff Chauderon, Super Blue, which is owned by Pace Gallery in New York. Uh, Fotografisco, which is the largest private art uh, photographic museum in the world, uh, is uh, is landing there in a David rockwell design building. So, uh, and there's been a significant amount of F&B interest in, uh, uh, in Alabama There are two residential buildings. Uh, one that was at Calderon is already out of the ground with and one that uh, Sheldon Lowe and Tom Caldwell are about to break ground on. So, it's a lot going on in Alabama
0: So construction costs, you've named probably 50 developments. I had no I need to just spend more time with you. I love so, that. so no so construction costs you're not hearing is slowing anything down with all these developments.
2: I'm sure it is. Um I'm seeing some projects be redesigned a bit, but I'm not seeing them slow down. I think the expectation is that Rental pricing will move up as well. I'm seeing some rental, some projects that were designed as rental buildings that will now be sold as condominiums. Um, but, but I haven't seen a slowdown yet, but I'm not sure that I'm close enough to that side of it.
0: Anyone coming back to you, to your tenants and saying, hey, we signed this lease nine months ago. We just got our construction costs. It's insurance, 30% up everywhere. We need more rent. Any of that?
2: Yes. And, and you know... <laughs> I haven't had a tenant that is sympathetic the the, the traditional tenant response has been, and as you know, we represent some grocers. The traditional tenant response has been our cost of construction has gone up as well. Our cost of goods has gone up as well. Our cost of deliveries have gone up as well. So we're suffering the same.
0: Okay. So, Lyle, this has been a pleasure. I do need to come down and spend some time with you. Please do. Uh, But how can people get a hold of you if they have a client? You know, people are watching this. from all over and they might be wanting to come to South Florida and you got you and it might be an F&B concept and obviously you're the guy. So how what's the best way for someone for someone that wants more information or more Lyle Stern to get you?
2: The absolute best way would be to call me or text me 305-785-3863 305-785-3863 or just email me at lyle l y l e at k s g r b dot com. We're going to be changing the the company name coming January first, but it'll automatically roll.
0: So I just put your number in 305 305-7853863. Yes. All right. I just put that in the in the chat. So love you,
2: Beth. Thank you so much. Please come down.
0: Happy holidays. You're, yeah, you have to take me to one of these restaurants that'll have all of these fancy names.
2: Come hungry, we'll go to all of them.
0: <laughs> Bye, Lyle. Thanks so Thanks much. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, Lyle, I think you need oh, I'm gonna close you out, Lyle. Remove from stream. Chris Drew.
3: Hey, Beth, how you doing? By the way, I want in on that invite for the restaurants. I feel like Lyle has great places. So wherever he's going, I want to be there.
0: Well, and now I'm going to connect you because he's got loans rolling. Did you hear that?
3: I did. I, you're like unbelievable. I mean, this is this is, this is is business development right here, everybody, real time.
0: So so I think you need to, he'll pick the restaurant, you'll buy because you'll get a loan renewal out of it. Exactly and, everyone, exactly. and I'll just come along for the ride to be the connector. And,
3: yeah, exactly. And you get, yeah, exactly. You get the, the dinner and the, you know, the company and all that other good stuff. So.
0: Exactly. All right. So thank you for being here. Chris Drew, co-head of the Miami office of JLL and senior managing director and all things lending.
3: Yes, yes ma'am. Yes. Yeah. So they say, so they say.
0: So I, I asked around and I said to people, I need a lender. I need someone in the mortgage brokerage business on this call because we can't have all, you know, what is it, um, sunflowers and, uh, you know, rainbows on this call. We need to have someone to kind of bring us down to earth. (laughs)
3: So
0: you you get to be that guy.
3: (laughs) Well, I mean, I I hate to be the bearer of bad news. um,
0: We got to level it out a little bit because everybody else is going to be super optimistic and super bullish. So you're the guy. So tell us, fill us in on the last, on 2022, which probably the last, what eight weeks have been kind of a down. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So how much time do I have here? 15 minutes,
0: <laughs> 15 minutes and give or All take, right. I see, you got I it. see, uh, the next guy coming up. So, but I, I, I want to give you your okay. due. So.
3: No, I, I appreciate that. So listen, I mean, I think, uh, we were coming off of a record 2021 in terms of transaction volumes, both on the sales and debt side, pretty much across the board. Um, obviously, I do a, a fair amount of retail, but I do all other asset classes as well. And I can tell you that you know the other asset classes uh, was a banner year in 2021. And then we started the first half of 2022 with um, you know the thought process that the Fed would probably look to start slowing the economy to to stem some of the you know inflation, which uh, unfortunately I think the Fed initially thought was transitory, which it's proven obviously not to be transitory. So. Um, I would say that through may of this year uh the market was really moving maybe even through april the market was really really moving then we started to see some cracks um in like that early may period and they started to form and they started to form pretty quickly primarily as a result of what was happening with you know the fed starting to increase rates and i think um you know now you look at it and there's a there's a trajectory where short-term rates are probably going to be, and, and I'm talking about index rates, right? So uh, 30-day overnight SOFR is probably gonna be somewhere in that high four to 5% range. To put it into perspective, when we started this year, I was negotiating SOFR floors of 25 basis points. Wow. Okay. So, I mean, I think the veracity of, the increase in rates, that's really what's been so challenging for the market. I mean, uh, just, and again, rate hikes started eight months ago, the average for those, right? So when you go through these, these, uh, periods where the fed tries to, you know, take air out of the economy, um, that's typically 23 ish months from the start to where it plateaus and we're about eight months in it, it seems. From what Jerome Powell is saying, it seems as though um, you're probably going to see uh, another 50, maybe 75 basis points uh, coming this week. And then I think you're probably going to see uh, another increase coming in the, you know, in, in Q1, uh, early Q1. So that that's going to get you very close to, you know, a SOFR index rate of plus or minus 5%. And I mean, it's it's, it's very hard for the marketplace to absorb that um you know we are dealing with what you know what they call an inverted yield curve which that does signal a recession um i think there's an adage that um you know it's signaled more recessions that have actually occurred but every time there's been a recession there has been an inverted yield curve so um i would say in this juncture um you know i think the duration of which we're looking at this higher interest rate environment for um, particularly the short end of the curve, right? So that, call it two to five year uh, borrowing range, which most of our clients you know, like to borrow in because it provides them a flexibility. I think we're gonna be looking at a, an elevated environment for that. Um, and you'll be looking at an elevated environment for floating rate money. And then what you are starting to see, which has been quite interesting, is you're starting to see the long end of the curve come back in a little bit. So you know your 10-year Treasury rate is somewhere in the three and a half percent range. Your five-year Treasury rate is somewhere in the 4.4 uh, percent range. So you know, and then you know when you look at your when you look at your two years, it's close. It's closer to four six. So um, that's just you're, you're seeing this inversion of the yield curve, which that typically doesn't happen. But I would say um, you know what we're finding today is we're finding the local and regional banks uh and the small life insurance companies are are still getting deals done so um you know that's been uh, we're doing deals today with groups that uh I I in in the 15 years I've been doing this I had never met before but they're doing a great job so I love watching these smaller banks try to take market share and by the way they've done a sensational job um they're getting deals done um and it's it's frankly been a breath of fresh air for a lot of our clients to deal with so um, you know, PNC and Wells and, you know, Bank of America and, you know, Citibank Valley. and those other groups. There. Valley,
0: I've done two loans with Valley.
3: Valley's great. Valley has been sensational, right? I'm, so they're, they're one of the smaller banks that they've come in and they're taking market share from the group, from the banks that I just named. And yeah. they've been, they've been a great, great bank, a great relationship for us and our clients. And, um, you know, they're absolutely a group that folks should be trying to do deals with. You know, the, the, I think the issue that you run into, and they'll tell you this, is that you know, these guys only have so much capacity. Right. Right. So, you know, for big for for larger borrowers like you and others, I mean, you can get a couple deals done. But, you know, when we're dealing with clients now, it's we're constantly trying to find the next valley. Right.
0: Right. Well, professional was great. I was looking at a deal to buy. I ended up not buying it, but professional was very aggressive. So Mm -hmm. I'm sure, you know, those guys, too. Yeah. So the uncertainty, you know, we talked Barry Wolf and I talked about this earlier in the evening that, you know, look, My parents in 1978 signed an 18% mortgage, right? So it's, I I think we will adjust. Yeah. Wow is right. I think we will adjust. It's the uncertainty that makes people, you know, purchasers, well, where is this headed? And, you know, but I'm I'm thinking what you're saying is maybe the people that want the flexibility have to either pay for the flexibility or they'll do long-term loans and remove the flexibility, right? You know, I, I said to someone the other day, I was looking at a deal to buy and I said, I'll sign the higher interest rate as long as I don't have a prepayment penalty. Because I believe as it gets closer to the presidential election, rates will drop. They'll never go back, in my opinion, to where we had the luxury of the last five years, but they will level out. And as long as I can increase the value of the value add deal I'm buying and I can refi, you know that's kind of my plan.
3: So- yeah, listen, I, I I think that's that that's the strategy that most of our clients are trying to implement at this juncture. So, I think if the the problem is is that you if you if you do a floating rate loan, then you have to buy an interest rate cap, and interest rate caps today, as you know, are very very expensive. Um, I think I think they're up probably four or five x in terms of the cost. Uh, over what they were at the start of this year, and that's just obviously evidenced by you know the forward yield curve, right? It prices off the forward yield curve. So, um, you know, if you wanna if you wanna buy if you wanna do a floating rate loan, unfortunately, that interest rate cap is 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 expensive. Um, so we do have clients that are, to your point, pivoting to uh, longer term financing. However, if you do a ten year deal, you know, most most banks today aren't providing ten year financing. There are some that will. Uh, but you know, most banks want to be in that five to seven year range and some will provide you with significant prepayment flexibility. Some will not. It's just, it's like trying to find the, the quintessential needle on a haystack. And I would say that obviously we do a fair amount of business with life insurance companies and the life insurance companies, they're, you know, uh, match funding this loan to, uh, existing liability that they have, whether it's an annuity or whatever it might be and they need that term so their prepayment is just not it's not as good um and they they typically have a lower rate but they don't have the same flexibility around prepayment you can price it in and some will provide you a step down prepay but it's uh, i I would say that today we're probably we're probably calling and contacting on any given transaction working on three times as many lenders as we have historically because I do this every single day. I mean, every day this is all I do. And I have I, I can't tell you with, with with a you know a straight face who is going to be the ultimate lender for a particular transaction. I can tell you where I think it's structured, and how I think it's going to price, et cetera. But you know, somebody walks into committee on a Tuesday, uh, they walk out on Wednesday and they say, Oh my gosh, like we're out of the market for the next month because the regulators have come in and said, you know, to to put a pause on lending.
0: So the silver lining for you is you've met all these new lending relationships.
3: Yeah. Yeah, no, listen, it's, I mean, listen, I, I would tell you, um, it's great and I, I, we love, we just, we love dealing with our, you know, our local lending relationships, our life insurance companies, et cetera. Um, you know, Wells and PNC and these other banks, they're great, right? But I think that in in, in this instance, it's, it's just, it's been fun to watch the, 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 the kind of smaller banks try to compete. And who knows, I mean, those banks are gonna be, those are gonna be the next city nationals, right? Um, For sure, become, have you,
0: have you t- talked to what I keep hearing in, in my circle of, uh, friends that are buying or trying to buy the credit union is, has yeah. come, have you seen that? Uh, you know, people, like, I know two people right now are working with a credit union. They haven't closed yet. <laughs> so yeah. we'll see how that happens.
3: Yeah. Listen, I mean, I, I, I think the credit unions, uh, it, it, the, obviously the size of the transaction matters. Um, I think today, big deals are very problematic, regardless of the asset class. So I can tell you that you know we recently closed uh, you know a hundred million dollar loan in um, Austin, and uh, it was that there 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 was not a deep bench just because there's not that many groups today that can write a check that size. I think if you can if you can, you know if you can do a deal that's sub ten million dollars, that provides you with a lot of flexibility. And credit unions can play in those, local regionals can play in those. And it provides you with you know an ability to to get a transaction done so what's been interesting is i think that you know we're seeing a little bit of a pivot in the marketplace today to the smaller transactions as a result right yeah. i mean there's there's debt there so For you can sure. get them done
0: and those are my deals you know yeah You're, so uh what do that's you still think a pretty big about- deal beth <laughs> i think so but you know, maybe big, not yeah. in, in in the circles that you're rolling around in. No,
3: no, no. Well, I'm not buying them. It's not my money. It's so it's always other people's money. You see, but you, you need know, to buy. I, I you know you need to I start know.
0: investing. I'm,
3: I'm too busy, I do, but it's um I'm, I'm too busy right now. I invest with I invest with clients' funds, but I'm just, you know, it's I, I spend all my time trying to make sure that you know you have the, the proper capital uh, so that you can go on and do more great things.
0: Absolutely. So, you just mentioned Austin. A question I had for you is because we're talking about Miami and how hot Miami is, are you seeing lenders nodding? Oh, Miami. Yeah, we'll look at that because it's Miami or South Florida or Tampa.
3: A hundred percent. So, I mean, I can talk about all asset classes, I'll focus on retail right now. Um, you
0: don't have to. I would,
3: yeah. So, listen, I mean, I, I would tell you that. Um, I think retail throughout the state of Florida, there's sincere demand from uh, lenders, whether they're located within the state or not, to come down here and, and put capital to work, um, because they probably have clients that are moving to this market. So um, and I would say been, over the And last- they've been
0: underweighted, and they've been underweighted in retail because of before COVID, it was retails dead, and now COVID helped us. So now, now they have to increase their allotment, yes?
3: That's spot on. I mean, listen—if you think about it, um, today—and and we've we've really tried to you know make sure that lenders fully understand this—is that today, if you have a if uh, a functioning, well-occupied retail center, it has gotten beaten up. It's gone through COVID. It's gone through the retail apocalypse. It's gone through hurricanes. It's whatever whatever challenge you want to throw at this center today. It's gone through it and it's performed, and it's and it's probably performing. Better today than it ever has so i think that's what's giving lenders um, a sincere interest in doing retail loans in the state um plus all of the positive net in migration and you can track the wealth that's coming down so that should just that that should lead to you know better sales and um you know better better tenant health ratios um you know i would My tell you sales that
0: sales are through the roof over the 19 numbers through the roof
3: unbelievable right yeah so listen what are-
0: What other asset classes are in demand for lenders?
3: Multifamilies always, yeah, multifamilies always in demand. Um, yeah, I would tell you that, uh, industrial that, that is, it's just, it's, it's, it's got a very, those cap rates are still fairly tight. So the coverage ratios, um, are challenging and you have to finance it at a lower leverage, um, and then you have, you know, other esoteric asset, you know, the smaller asset classes like self storage, student housing, seniors, et cetera. Um, but office, office is the one asset class that's been very challenging, uh, to finance as of, as of now, I would tell you that, um, you know, Miami and certain pockets of Miami, we are seeing, we are seeing interest from, from lenders to finance office. Um, it's not easy, but we're, we're, we're doing it and we're, we're seeing it. Uh, and it's primarily just because of all the, you know, positive news around, uh, net immigration. And you're also seeing, you know, positive rent growth and, your know, office down here is different than it is in 99% of the country.
0: Yeah. I, I, I'm going to ask Terry when she comes on, but I heard a stat of a net new to market 2 million square feet of office in Miami. And Lyle Stern said, I'm wrong. It's more. So I can't wait to ask Terry.
3: It From just the names I've heard, it probably is. I mean, I think that, and Terry would be able to tell you, I mean, Terry actually hired me into the business many moons ago. Um, so she's been a great mentor and friend, and she knows the market as well as anybody. So I bet I, I can tell you that I think from some of the names that 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 we've just heard. Not, I mean, listen. Obviously, we were involved in the Citadel deal um, for selling them their land, and and I would tell you that, uh, whew, you know, when you see a group like that come down to the market, I mean, that's a that's a game changer. Um, when you see groups like Millennium Asset Manager come down to the market, those these are game changing employers that are coming down here, and they're bringing very. High-paying, very high-quality jobs to our marketplace,
0: which is phenomenal. Okay, so the question I've asked everyone—well, before I go there, your predictions. Yeah. So you think it's there's one more rate hike in Q1, and then we're done.
3: Is that yeah. Listen. I, so I. I so I, Yeah. I, I believe that there, depending on what happens with um, inflation data. Well, all of it, right? I mean, yeah, exactly. Retail sales, but all of it, right? And um, obviously, it's counterintuitive because you really want the holiday season to to be strong, but you don't want it to be too strong, right? Yeah, Um, that CPI is coming
0: out tomorrow, right? CPI, I think, will be down tomorrow.
3: Yeah, well, like you know better than I do, so I guess I guess we'll see. Uh, I would tell you that in a in an ideal world, I think you get one, you probably get two more rate hikes, probably petering off. Hopefully, in February ish, it could be three. Um, depending on the the data you get, and then uh, I think you're going to see a you're just going to be in a plateau for probably six to nine months. drone uh, and listen, Jerome Powell has been he's been very in the Fed. They've been very direct that they're not going to lose the fight to inflation. So I think that in order to do that, what you're going to see is you're going to see uh, an uh, elevated rate environment probably through twenty twenty three, and hopefully it starts to trickle back in in twenty twenty four.
0: Yeah, right before the presidential election. So
3: isn't it amazing how these things happen, isn't it?
0: Okay, so um, question I'm asking everyone: In South Florida, are we going to see a recession?
3: Um, uh, listen, I, I think when you say recession, uh, that's a technical term. So sure, I mean, sure. Uh, I think I think if you, I mean, it's just a technical term, right? It's a it's a domestic term, but I would tell you, I think out of every market in the country, potentially the world. I mean, we had our global executive committee in town last week, and I'm not so sure that this isn't one of the hottest markets in the world today. And now I'm not talking about it from a temperature perspective. Exactly. I'm talking about from a real estate investment perspective and just an overall fundamentals perspective.
0: At the Real Deal conference, I think last month, someone said, winter is coming, but not in Miami. <laughs>
3: exactly that's well said that's a that's a great quote so yeah i think that's very I accurate say that.
0: i heard it okay so yeah. um there's a lot of people that are listening now that will be listening on on the replay how can people find you the best to help for you to help them get loans on their 100 million dollar assets not me
3: no we do we do million. we do five and ten million dollar assets as well beth don't ever forget about that um so it's christian cr- sure Chris.Drew, chris dot drew chris dot drw at J-L-L.com. Got it. Or you can call, or All you can right, call me at chris. 305-421-6551. I appreciate Wait. it. Thanks so much, Beth.
0: 305
3: 421
0: 6551. Excellent.
3: Thanks so Thank much, Beth. Chris so Always oh, great to see you. you Cheers. Cheers. Terry for me.
0: I will.
4: My friend, Beth, what's up? Virtual hug. How are you? You're good. How are you? All right. You're so much fun. Always doing such fun things and so You're the best.
0: <laughs> we have Mitch Feldman here, the president and founder of the Feldman companies. I wonder where you got that name from. Very
4: and creative. you are
0: a developer of self storage.
4: I am. Do you
0: also acquire existing?
4: I've never bought an existing operating property in my life. It's a funny story. I wanted to when I first started, but I had no money. And investors were like, well, what do I need you for? I'll pay you commission. So I figured early on that I better learn how to create value so I could get investors. So I started developing and I never looked back.
0: So, how many uh properties have you developed
4: we've done over two and a half million square feet over 20. i think we're on our 25th 24th property um we have
0: congratulations
4: thank you and uh we have i, I knew think, you
0: when i knew, yeah, you, when knew you knew, knew me when,
4: you <laughs> right you know we had zero properties All right and we had um i think in south florida i was thinking about it in preparation for the uh for the miami market um phone call you know, we had a, uh, I think we've got seven in South Florida that are either in already built, operating, or in construction. We have a uh, few that are in the pipeline, um, but South Florida is just hot, hot, hot.
0: Hot, hot, hot. So what are you doing about construction costs? Because oh, no. we know it's painful.
4: Very. It's, um... Look, you know, we have a strong discipline on delivering to a certain yield. So, and and if you're if you're if you're disciplined on what is my yield and you have to end up at a certain place of a return, you can budget your cost if they're higher, you can budget your interest carry, which is today higher, and as long as you're disciplined in getting to the final result, Without BSing your rents and without, you know, not accounting for costs and, you know, making sure that you're running it right. Yeah, it's harder to find deals because you have to make the metrics work, but you got to get the right land price. Um, you have to be disciplined in your timing. You can't let them go and go and go. You have to execute timely. You need longer term contracts. You have time to get your permits. You can't just buy a property and, and wait. So, you know, there's uh if you're disciplined, you can still build to the same yield. I mean, it's crazy to say, but you have to also adjust it a little higher because theoretically cap rates are getting higher. So your ultimate value, you know, the the space where we live between our, our all in cost and our value, you know, the kind of the air we breathe has been shrinking. So you have, you know, if this is going up, you got to push. You know, you got to push it a little.
0: So, so can you can you charge more rents?
4: So the good thing about self storage is that they are month to month. So we're not locked into long term agreements. And even guys who have purchased storage facilities or built previously, as rates change or as things change, they're able to adjust rents. How much can we push them? We don't know. But storage has has had a phenomenal. Uh, you know, I mean, COVID was actually very good to the storage industry. Uh, rates were high, people weren't moving out, people were moving in. So occupancies went up, rates went up and sort of the the storage used to be the ugly duckling of the real estate industry. Today, it's, you know, it's cats out of the bag. You know what I mean? So people love it. They're talking about it. There's a lot of equity. There's a lot of debt available. And um, you see a lot of guys getting into it, which is concerning uh, that there's some overbuilding and which there is you're seeing guys who are GCs or guys who are in, you know, kind of third party to the business now buying up sites and trying to build. And, you know, unfortunately, some of them are not going to be in the right locations. Some of them are going to be entering the markets that are already too competitive. And they won't be able to get the price that they think they're going to get or that they need to get to meet their performance. So we'll see what happens, but you know, South Florida is strong. So a lot of people are moving here. There's a high demand for storage. Storage is becoming more and more in demand year after year. And, um, thank God it's been a great, great industry.
0: So, so you look, will, will you continue to develop and not acquire?
4: Yes. Until I, yeah, un, until I, until I can't. I, I mean, you know, as, if I can responsibly build, I'll keep building. And I think that the way we operate, you know, a lot of guys, their, their secret sauce is, you know, when there's a property available or a building available, the only way to get that piece of already zoned land or something that's on the market is by paying the most for it. So that's not a skill set. Yeah, that's not a skill set that I'm trying to develop. Right. You know what I mean? So, our skill set, our secret sauce is finding properties that have environmental challenges to them or have zoning issues or not zoned, or you must go through, you know, land use issues or, I mean, complicated stuff. And that's my background as a real estate attorney you know, I've, I'm comfortable in that environment, but we do deals that people have had on their contract and can't get done. So when we build something, it's because other people probably couldn't. And if we're a storage guy, I always tell everyone, I can't compete for price. If a multi, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm locked on a site and a multifamily guy comes or a retail guy or an office building guy or anyone could pay more than a storage guy. So right. if I'm getting a site, it's because I'm getting the right price and right. because it's complicated. And by doing that, we're creating assets that are irreplaceable, that really do have strong value. We're creating value in the just through the entitlement process. And, and are uh, you
0: and and you're you said that sellers will give you the time to go get those entitlements
4: to a point but we've been we the properties we find are challenging so a lot of times the sellers have already been through one one potential buyer that dropped out or a second potential buyer that dropped out or is aware that there's an environmental issue and yeah. they'll give us time and and we'll go hard on deposits, So I'm not, I'm not afraid to, you know, put my money where my mouth is and get a seller comfortable. So we're, you know, we'll execute, but it's, I, I don't want to buy a property that I can't develop storage on. That's, you know, but the townhouse property, you know, so, so it's what's, got what's
0: typical What's your typical size?
4: So, it var- yeah, it varies in market. So we have one in downtown Miami on the Dolphin Expressway right across from Jackson and the, and like that spring garden side. It's on Sunnybrook where we built an eight story self-storage facility. Our footprint was we were on 16,000 square foot lot and we had a 13,000 square foot footprint when we went eight stories up 112,000 square feet. So I can go that small in a downtown situation today. I think it would be very expensive to build that and very difficult, but typically when we're in a normal location, we'd like to build sweet spot as a three-story building of maybe 120,000 square feet. So whatever we need for that, maybe two acres. Um, we have another one we're doing now that's five stories and you know, they're, they're all different, but we. We'll do anything if the numbers work. It's all are on the numbers.
0: Are you seeing any opportunities with mall mall properties?
4: We did in um, outside of Philadelphia. We bought a, a Walmart that was inline space. And Walmart moved out to build a super Walmart. So the owner of the shopping center was left with a... It was like a China buffet, a, a Dick's <laughs> outlet. You know, like, you know, it was... It was uh And the the big
0: China buffet.
4: It's great. (laughs) If you like Chinese food, you go to China buffet. So, so you know, it was it was just an inline space, and we bought, we condominiumized with the seller. We condominiumized the the property. We bought the Walmart um, with part of the parking field, and we converted it to a drive-through self-storage facility. So in the Northeast. Where it's snowing and it's, you know, it's it's you want to be inside. We created this drive-through aisle with evacuation systems for the for the car exhaust. And it was every every unit was an interior, climate-controlled, basically drive-up self-storage unit. And it was phenomenal. It was a great property. We did the same thing with a Kmart in New Jersey. So we bought a Kmart, kind of minimized it. That was next to Planet Fitness and a pizza shop. So <laughs>
0: A drive through self-storage in cold yeah. weather cities. I love it. I love yeah. it. So yeah. is, is it your preference to try to do something in your home market as hot as it is? Because my guess is you can charge more or would you, it doesn't matter and you'd go do something in the Midwest because it's a good deal.
4: So we have one in Indiana. We have, uh, we're, or we've been going all over the place. We're in Maryland now or wherever there's a market for storage, wherever we can find the deal. Um, you know, we kind of have a funny, uh, rule of thumb uh, to markets and it's, it, it was started as me being sort of, uh, I mean, it, it started with me saying, listen, I'm willing to get an airplane flight, w- w- non, you know, the, not no, no one stop, you know, straight, uh, non-stop. Non- That's non-stop, called non-stop. a nonstop flight to any city. And I'm willing to drive about 45 minutes to the property. That was my market. And so if they did think maps.
2: Of,
4: right. So, so if you think about it, any city that's really a non-stop flight out of Miami with a 45 minute drive, that's a good market. You know, that's
0: absolutely
4: right.
0: so what about these? Will you do like a like a conversion of a B or C office building? Will you do conversions?
4: We've looked at office to convert, but the floor loads oh. don't need the same loads for storage. Got so you have to beef them up a lot. In the Northeast, they've had um, like these mills that were industrial properties that have very heavy concrete floors. So right. they're more conducive to adapting. Um, we did in Hylia Gardens years ago, we took an industrial property that was a... Was like a 20, 22,000 square foot. Oh no, it was 40, it was a forty thousand or forty-five thousand square foot warehouse and it had 24 foot seal ceil- a height ceiling. And we put in a mezzanine deck, an elevator, and we turned it into like an 80 plus thousand square foot climate controlled. And then because we didn't need the parking and the loading outside, we built some non-climate controlled. So we've we've done them and they're available, but you know, everything's competitive to try to buy it.
0: So I have been spending a lot of time in Cleveland and there's a lot of those mill buildings there. Yeah. So you can get on a direct flight from Fort Lauderdale on United to Cleveland. Uh, I go every month. Right. So on my next trip, you should come and I'll show you. I'm coming. You there's, I'm coming. I try some opportunities there.
4: I'll come play with you.
0: <laughs> so um, delinquencies. So except for South Florida, Right you would agree I, I can't imagine you have any delinquencies in your South Florida product
4: I, I mean, there's always some delinquencies, but you know storage uh, people people it could take their stuff out, so it's a month to month lease, and they you know they'll they'll come and take it out so the delinquencies aren't so bad I mean maybe and even are the you full? are, are you payment. full
0: is your occupancy full, full in South Florida?
4: Typically, they're over ninety percent to ninety-five percent, which is where is you want higher, to. Is
0: it higher, higher in South Florida than other markets?
4: Um, not necessarily. Because um, there's, cause I, there's so much. Is South Florida strong. Florida strong, strong generally, but big cities. There's a lot of movement, so I think if you're in the secondary and tertiary cities, maybe it's a slower lease up, slower. You know, maybe have a little more vacancy or in and out. Uh, college towns tend to be, you know, cyclical with summertime versus right. Tallahassee, exactly. Gainesville, of course, you know.
0: Right? I've got my water right here. Yeah. No.
4: Right. Or or in Miami, you know, with the hurricane. I have all my Miami answers.
0: What happened you know? to the Dolphins last night? So anyway, oh, right. okay. Yeah,
4: hold on. Did you say Dolphins?
0: <laughs> do you have just do you have like a row of hats right there ready? Yeah, for me? I'll
4: sit right here. I keep going. So, are you seeing
0: so are are you seeing delinquencies in other markets because of the so-called recession? These other markets are having, of, unlike Miami.
4: I don't, I don't the storage. They call it the recession-resistant asset. Oh. So it really has proven itself in 08. It proved itself and during the pandemic and. I think it's going to prove itself now. So occupancies are pretty strong. Storage, you know, when you ask someone, hey, how's, oh, how's the market going? And you ask a retail person. So if I ask you how the market was, you'll talk about, you know, there's been some challenges maybe with Amazon or, you know, people are staying, maybe they're not eating restaurants so much, or you'll talk about the business. When you talk about office, you know, you'll talk about, you know, people want air systems and people are home. Now they're coming back. When you ask a storage guy, how's the market? They don't even think about the business. They're like, well, interest rates are a little higher. They talk about the market fundamentals, not their business fundamentals. Storage is just, it's doing great.
0: Well, does anyone do long-term leases, like a year lease for storage?
4: No. No one. Why? Maybe Maybe they'll do, I don't know. I've never, we don't do, maybe some guys will do it for like one customer or maybe someone who has like a car um a truck you know but if i came company.
0: to you and said i'm moving out of my five bedroom house i'm an empty nester i'm gonna to go to los solos gonna try the condo thing i'm not sure it's gonna work so i'm gonna put all my crap in self-storage and i want to sign a one-year lease i'll pay you for the year up front you wouldn't give me a one-year lease into self-storage and put my no, stuff I, in it I,
4: I really haven't seen that and not, not in our properties not maybe- with our management company it's month to month, and I mean, and your rates going to change. It's it's going to go up in three months or five months, and it's uh, you know what your entry level rate is is going to be different. And I got gotcha. you. I mean, so, are you getting
0: calls from these roll up companies that they want to buy your twenty seven deals?
4: All all day, all every day. day, all day. Yep, I mean, there's there's massive money chasing storage deals. I think it's. Um, Look, buying an existing facility today is harder because you know the seller still wants his low low cap rate and the um the buyers forced to pay higher interest rates. So there's still a there's a mismatch today. That happens in all the same. asset classes. Of course. <laughs> That's happening so there's a mismatch. in <laughs> yeah. there's a mismatch, but it it'll we'll see, it'll balance some guys who bought um too expensively a few years about, a few years ago or a year ago on uh, maybe a value add play and have adjustable rate mortgages they might be in a little trouble trying to sell some assets maybe And you don't want to
0: buy them if they get in trouble and you think it's a good location you're not going to buy it
4: it's not my not,
0: it's not, not my, your, I,
4: mean, I would steal it but then again there's a guy who's going to pay there's a guy whose skill set is paying more than me there's a guy out there who's got a the better smartest, deal.
0: The, the smartest guy in the room never gets the deal. <laughs>
4: right, right.
0: All right. So, predictions for 2022 and self storage.
4: So, I I think the, I definitely think there's going to be a slower um slower rate of construction of new product. I think we're already seeing that. I think a lot of guys can't get financing. A lot of guys are and gals are concerned about the rates. Um, so I, I think it'll be slower. I mean, we're still going in, you know, head first. I mean, we're getting equity, we're getting debt. And like I said, we're managing to our investor yield. So I'm I'm comfortable with moving forward. I think we're seeing the costs actually on steel came down a little. Um, I understand there's going to be an increase in concrete. In the next in uh, in January, so you know there's there's changes, but we're gonna keep rolling, um, and I think storage will stay strong. I don't think rates are uh, uh, rent rates are going to increase at the robust rate they have been, but I do think we're gonna still keep seeing increases just modestly, and I think if we're budgeting our numbers appropriately, I think the business stays strong and uh, we keep moving.
0: So, I just got a text that Sam Bankman Fried got arrested in the Bahamas. Really? Okay. So, okay. On that note, on, on that,
4: that note, note I so, have no currency.
0: Neither. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, before we move on to Terry, uh, I've asked everyone the same question In South Florida, are we going to see a recession?
4: So I heard you ask a uh, couple before a few before me. So I, you know, I think technically, I think we're already in the definition of a recession. But I think the answer is yes, we're in a recession. But if you walk outside or you make a phone call, I still can't get a reservation at Carbone or at right. Kiki's or at, you know well, at Ogun did, did you hear? Trump. Lyle
0: Stern is going to take us all to those yeah, restaurants. You know,
4: You can't get rest. You can't get reservations. You know what I mean? So, you know, I think, so, you know, you got to know the mater d'. So, you know, it's. Well, you got to do, you got to do more than know them. Right. (laughs) That's how Lyle Lyle
0: did the deal with them. So he's going to get us in.
4: Right. So, you know, so I, I mean, you go to the mall right now, I'm trying to pass by the mall. Aventura Mall. And I mean, it takes me 30 minutes to go from the south side of the mall to get past Ives Dairy Road. So, I, I mean, re- what recession, right? So, right.
0: okay, that's that's yeah. the answer. We're going to end it on that. So, and by the way, Lyle just popped his camera back on in the queue and went like this. So, Carbone, <laughs> he's going to get us in.
4: Okay. Thanks, Lyle. Right. Put Mitch, me up, baby.
0: <laughs> so, if anyone that's listening, the, the thousands of people that are going to watch this have some property. That is a direct flight from Miami or Fort Lauderdale and 45 minute drive. And they have land to sell for a self-storage developer. How would they get in touch with you?
4: Just hit me up on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm the easiest guy to find. <laughs> Just Google my name. <laughs> well,
0: there's got to be more Mitch Feldman's than you. So, okay. Oh, LinkedIn, no. <laughs> Mitch All hit right. Me up thanks. On
4: LinkedIn. I'm there.
0: Thank you. Mwah. Love you. Love you. Bye the woman we've all been waiting to talk to hello my friend <laughs> hey how are you i am doing awesome it's so good to see you we've been talking about office every almost every person that we've spoken to has brought up the hot miami office <laughs> yeah. and i keep saying i'm gonna have the expert she's coming well
5: Thank you. Thank you for that. And it is hot. That's for sure. It's sizzling hot. And I keep saying that to everyone who tells me that lenders don't want to touch office. And I say, but you're not in Miami. You know, you don't understand what's going on. You got to put out some money because we're running out of quality office. And uh, there's certainly a fight to quality. We'll talk about that. Yeah, so okay. let me
0: let me properly introduce you. So Terry Thank Blanca you. started was the founder and the is the president of Blanca Commercial Real Estate, which by the way she started in the middle of the global financial financial crisis in 08, 09,
6: mm-hmm.
0: and is the preeminent office brokerage firm. I'm going to say that in South Florida, Thank and you. we are so happy to have you. During COVID, I called Terry. I said how's it going? And she's like, no worries. We're getting, you would not believe this is early, early on. No worries. We're getting calls. You wouldn't believe, right? Yeah, It's like, awesome.
5: (laughs) So yeah, listen, March of 2020 was certainly a scary time for everyone, right? For many reasons, not just uh, in terms of business, but our health and our families and so on. And, and we went home and, and started having Zoom meetings every day at noon. And first thing I said to everyone, listen, no one has to worry about their job, right? We're going to be secure. We're going to be fine. And the other thing I want to share is that I've lived through three different cycles in Miami and each time, you know, really challenging cycles. And each time we come back stronger and we're just a resilient community that benefits from, you know, this diversification of business and our demographic uh, population and our geography and everything that you know, over the last 30 years, we've witnessed in terms of government and private sector making investments in, in, in culture, in sports, in music, in, you know, the bright line. Everything that's happened over the last 20 years has positioned us for this moment in time. And the moment in time is that, yes, during COVID, people started migrating here. And, you know, that could happen and it's happened all over, you know, South Florida throughout the years. But what employers decided to do was to start speaking with their employees about why they were there and they were not coming back so quickly. And um, and everyone found out that people just love living here and they found that the quality of life and also, you know, just the ability to to be in a global environment, not only Miami, but Fort Lauderdale and Palm Beach, was really well received by executives and employees. And so, you know, we did that Blackstone deal in October of 2020. And I remember saying, quote, unquote, team, brace yourselves. What's coming is an avalanche. And, you know, we didn't have to be that smart to know that. But when Blackstone puts their stamp of approval uh, with 40,000 square feet in downtown Miami, we just knew it was coming. And um, and it hasn't stopped, Beth. It's just been uh, a fabulous two years. Um, And, you know, certainly it's been a little bit of, you know, the tale of two cities where 80% of the demand started in Miami, most, um, you know, most concentrated in Burkle Avenue, which is our finance, financial district, but then it starts to spill over, which is the case each time, right? So we're seeing it at Waterford business district in Miami airport. We're seeing it in Coral Gables and Aventura. We're seeing it in Wynwood. We're seeing it in Miami beach. We're seeing it in Fort Lauderdale. I mean, we least the main last hole in 18 months to hundred percent after delivery. It's just insane. So just uh, with great tenants and, and a third of them were, you know, companies migrating to the area that were, did not have a presence in Fort Lauderdale. So when they say that Fort Lauderdale gets skipped over, please don't believe that it doesn't. And, uh, and it is becoming front and center in the conversation with many companies uh, around the country as well. It is a great place to um, expand into to expand your business into as well. Um, so, so I have, it's a, I, have a,
0: I have a couple stats, and I'm so this is all such phenomenal news. Uh, okay, so I heard a stat on Friday that two million net new. Square footage has happened in the last year in South Florida, and three people on this call said you're wrong. It's way more. <laughs> it will be at the end of the year. I mean, listen, our
5: company alone has signed two million square feet year to date. Oh my god! Okay, that's insanity, wow. right? Um, I mean, and so every year we average about a million square feet a year uh, okay. across our portfolio and and our tenant rep practice. But this year we've doubled it and uh, and we have more that's in the pipeline through the end of this year. And so when that's, you know, Miami-Dade County and Broward County primarily, right, Uh, with our presence throughout uh, uh, these counties and some kind and Palm Beach as well. But, you know, it's really like us. Every company has experienced tremendous volume and uh, we still have a pipeline of about three and a half million square feet of deals in the market, of which about 25 percent are new companies coming into the market. We're fielding calls every day. Across the portfolio of companies that are, you know, still coming in, and it's this following effect that uh, we expected after Citadel and other top financial services announced their relocations or their opening of new hubs in Miami. Uh, so, you know, we've seen all the top law firms in the country, like Kirkland and & Ellis and Winston & Strawn, and uh, Alston & Bird, open major footprints uh, here. And, and, and make commitments long-term for a lot of space. So many partners are raising their hand and saying, we want to live in Miami. They're recruiting, of course, locally, but that's they don't expect to fill all that space only with Miami recruits or South Florida recruits. Partners want to come and spend a lot of time here. And so it's really, uh, it's, a, it's a transformation that now, of course, is gonna take us to a place of, all right, what do we need to do throughout the region to be ready? for uh this amazing growth because of course we need schools, we need you know mass transit uh that works not only in 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 the urban core east of ninety five, but across the region, east and west as well. And uh and we need, you know, housing supply that will stabilize rents a bit, because certainly on the residential side, we've we I'm sure you heard about this too. You know, the rents are have peaked quite a bit. So all of that is a supply-demand, you know, uh, Imbalance and we need more office trophy assets. Nothing is going to deliver in the next three years uh, in the major markets throughout um, Broward and Miami uh, in terms of the urban core and really in in the suburban markets, very little. So the companies that are migrating here, even the companies locally, because there's going to be some shifting around of local companies that might choose to be. In the suburban markets to be closer to their executives, to be closer to their employees, to reduce the commute time because that's part of bringing people back to work, as well as, for instance, um, companies that you know really are looking at their occupancy costs and saying, "Well, brickle we love, but we can't pay ninety to one hundred dollar rents, or don't, or shouldn't, or don't have to, right?" And so we're seeing this shifting um, also, and 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 to and to accommodate those needs we need quality assets. And so we're, we're delighted at Waterford. We have um, the ability to do a large block of contiguous space of 100,000 feet or more. And we've got, you know, both suit opportunities for quality companies that will accommodate um, those larger requirements that don't need to be in Brickle and choose to be somewhere else and closer to their employee base. So very excited about having um, that product available in the urban core. We need new office and it's not going to happen for a while because there is there is a challenge today for construction of new development projects, both from a cost standpoint and as well as, of course, the lenders pretty much, being out of business of funding office developments are all across the country for regulatory pressures or other pressures, uh, maybe weighted too heavily on office in certain sectors. And so to build new office, it's going to be, uh, it's going to require preleasing, it's going to require very solid sponsors and it's going to require a big lift uh, and hopefully costs settling down a bit. Because it, it's been, uh, that's that's a big challenge.
0: So so someone, else, another stat I heard uh, on Friday morning, I went to the South Florida Business Journal's market update and they said that the, there are no, this is the quote, no caps on rents in Brickle. No caps. Yeah. Is that, you support that statement? Right?
5: I support that theme. I mean, I think that for the next three years, we're going to see a very strong owner's market, right? I mean, the, the vacancy rate for class A, so the, we, we categorize tier one, tier two. So the class A tier one has less than 5% vacancy. I think by the time we close the year, it'll be less than that. And, uh, and class A tier two, it's already uh, at about 11%. And again, continuing to lease up, it's already, um, you know, so the rents have doubled <laughs> in um, over a period of three years, let's say, and, um, and, and, you know the big lift was certainly year over year with almost a 30 40 percent increase 830 briggle you know delivered is delivering in the first quarter pretty much full at 100 percent um and um and then we've got in downtown miami um a lot of action for the top tier assets in in that market so you know southeast financial center one tower they're they're experiencing really healthy leasing and rents of course are indicative of that as well because landlords are pushing rents there too so over the next 24 months, downtown will be a strong beneficiary of the activity uh, that is happening. We will see that um, tenants uh, in Brickell that are rolling over the next 24 months that do not need to be, in, you know, Brickell-centric will start migrating to Coral Gables, to Waterford, to Aventura, uh, some even to Fort Lauderdale. We're seeing some of those, um, you know, some Canadian companies that are in Brickell looking to. Um, acquire a space in Fort Lauderdale instead, to be closer to where they, the employees and the executives reside, and, and to be in a, in a different, you know, urban environment uh, than Brickell, a little calmer, you know, less traffic. Um, so I think, I think there's huge opportunity for new office, and I think there's huge opportunity for the entire region to benefit from what is happening, not just Miami. And so, so, yeah.
0: that, so the legacy tenants that have been in these markets paying these lower rents, and in the beginning of COVID, when there was this question mark of, are, te- are workers going to come back? So those folks, I you know, where maybe the, the building owners were like, oh, crap, what am I going to do? Now they're like hoping that those tenants raise their hand and say, yes, we don't want 50,000 square feet anymore. We'll take 10,000 and we'll move out to Doral.
5: Right. Well, there's certainly an opportunity for, you know, to be strategic um, in terms of how you're going to manage your portfolio and your, your assets, right, from an ownership standpoint. And from our perspective, that's what we help our clients think through and how to, you know, um, uh, how to provide opportunities within their portfolios to uh, leverage what is happening in a, in a good way and help tenants as well find their way, you know, to places where uh, they're more comfortable. And so we've certainly executed on those strategies uh, for many of our clients where tenants have... Um, said, well, you know, maybe we don't need to stay here through the end of our term, and just, you know, if 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 the landlord is willing to participate on a uh, either a contraction and extend, or let's just figure out a termination that makes sense for you and for us, and you have a tenant at hand that is willing to pay premium above what we're paying, why not execute on that strategy? Provided that, you know, of course, the capital required to execute on that new lease makes sense for everyone. So I think. I think there are many opportunities uh both for tenants and owners you know during the next three years to figure out ways uh that uh uh, that serve uh, each party well
0: did you add to your team during this time that you went from a million that we have
5: over the last three years uh we've uh, doubled our team we're 42 now (laughs) 42 yeah so out of uh 42 however 14 are in our property management uh, services um, group, um, we've also grown our our portfolio in property management uh, for office and uh, high street retail, and so very excited about that and continuing to uh, to grow that uh, area of our business. and uh, And our advisory practice um, for both investment sales and for companies that need office and industrial space has grown significantly over the last three years as well. So we. Um, we have a great team in place, um, executing on, on both those areas of our business and, uh, continuing to grow, uh, very Amazing. excited about uh, the future of our region and, uh, a big part of, of it.
0: So I have th- three more questions. One, do you think the billboards that went up in LA and New York from Mayor Suarez contributed to this craze that we're seeing in South Florida?
5: I think it did. And I, and the reason that I say that is that I hear feedback from companies coming from California and Chicago and, and other places that say, we are really happy to be in a place where we are welcomed, where we feel welcomed, where we feel that, um, you know, we, we can contribute to the community and to business and that we're well received. And, you know, certainly um, our region and Miami in particular um, has been a place where they feel like everyone has been welcomed with Open arms. I think historically Miami has been a place of uh, that has grown its its population uh, with a lot of international um, immigration. But now that we're having this immigration from New York and Chicago and California, LA, San Francisco Bay Area, et etc., it feels that um, you know we we're at a different stage of growth um, where it feels we we quote unquote from Morgan Stanley's real estate head uh, Lauren. The other day at ULI, Miami is officially a gateway city. And this is a major gateway city along the lines of New York and LA and others. And so that's huge for Miami, but it's huge for South Florida because it's really it is a it is a metropolitan statistical area that is fully connected and integrated you know, both from a business standpoint as well as a population standpoint as as, as the Bright Line and other commuter rail opportunities, you know, continue to develop to connect us more as an MSA, um, the more we all win and the more we, you know, we should collaborate to make sure that these wins uh, impact every city in or uh, MSA.
0: Absolutely. Okay. So the last two questions. One, your predictions for office in South Florida in 2023.
5: My prediction is that from an office standpoint in particular, we will continue to see companies execute on leases uh, for space here, and they will be, continue to come from New York and California and Chicago. Now we're seeing them come from Europe and um, and more from Latin America, uh, given the dynamic um, of, uh, of, of the political situation across the region in Latin America, we'll see more companies coming from there, expanding their presence here. From Europe, I think there's, you know, certainly this war in the Ukraine and, and Russia has caused um, certain um, companies and industries to look at how they expand their presence in the U.S. Um, and, you know, balance a little bit um, where um, they're doing business and where uh, they house executive teams. And, um, and I think that, um, you know, we, we will see less development than I would like to see given the challenges, uh, that we're, that we have with the capital markets, uh, tightening and, um, uh, and I expect us, um, you know, to address successfully from a political leadership standpoint, uh, the challenges that we might have, uh, which are opportunities, uh, in terms of residential housing, um, uh, Uh, that is well balanced for a uh, varied demographic that comes here, right? Uh, It's uh, it's people from all over and different compensation levels that need to live and reside here. So I think we'll find opportunities to solve for that. And also schools, uh, K through 12, uh, both public and private sector need to be addressed. And I think that we're gonna see collaboration between private and public sector in ways that perhaps we haven't seen before. We're seeing it from already.
0: We're As retail, we're hearing from, we've been hearing for the last year, once New Yorkers started moving down, private schools calling for space because the parents are demanding that. Mm-hmm. So that, that we are seeing that since COVID. Um, I started investing in some uh, Little Havana multifamily, some smaller units. I think that that, that worker that's going to be working on yeah. work, it's, it's yeah. awesome. I think so, so. And I think there's
5: going to be a lot more rental housing opportunities. You know, that's not going to go away. It's the, the one challenge that we haven't we don't talk about too much. Uh, but I think, well, I mean, I guess they're talking about it in the newspapers a lot. But, um, you know, certainly the, the cost of insurance, we can't ignore. Yeah, and so sure. that usually gets passed through to the tenants and it gets passed through to the renters and in apartment housing and so on. Uh, but it is, um, you know, it's, it's a challenge. And I think... Um, there's there's some discussion going on in Tallahassee, right, in terms of how to solve for it. Hopefully, uh, there will be solutions coming up soon because um, it's it's getting to be um, something
0: that um, yeah, you know, it's it's a challenge. So, I've asked everyone this: Will there be a recession in Miami?
5: I don't think so. I
0: agree. No. So Terry. Thousands of people are going to watch this and they need representation from a strategist like you and your team of 42. Like, Thank you, know, you. Congratulations. What's the best way for someone to contact you for space in South Florida office? Sure.
5: My email, terry, T-E-R-E dot Blanca, B-L-A-N-C-A at Blanca C-R-E dot com. Terry Blanca at Blanca C-R-E. C-R-E. Right. Terry Blanca at Blanca CRE.com. And my uh, friend, thank
0: you so thank much. Thank you. <laughs> we'll see you, see you soon. It's great to see you. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas Year. to you too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Mr. Larry. Oh. You're, on, you're muted. We want to Sorry hear, about that. We want to hear your words of wisdom. How are you, yeah. sir?
6: I'm excellent. It's good to see you.
0: You too. This is Larry Janae, EVP of CBRE Industrial.
6: That's right.
0: If, if you're in South Florida, you know him because he's got the big leasing signs with lights on yeah. at night.
6: That's right. That's right. That's right. See, we we started that trend.
0: You don't think I follow you on social?
6: I know you do. I know. Everyone sees it. No one wants to comment though. I don't know what's up. With that. I
0: love it. I tell my kids, I know that guy.
6: Right. Awesome.
0: Kids, names are in lights.
6: Bring him by the uh, office one day. We'll have some fun.
0: Absolutely. So industrial. Yeah. Fire in Rocking. South Florida on fire. I was, so th- three years ago before COVID, I was at a CCIM outlook thing and Michael silver got up and said something like industrial rents were in the double digits. And I went, what? Yeah. And, you know, for for me, thirty six years in the business, that was never the case. So, give us the what happened in twenty twenty two or twenty one in industrial in South Florida.
6: Yeah, well, just COVID accelerated everything. So, rents went crazy after the lockdowns kind of subsided, and and Florida remained open uh, thanks to our governor. Uh, just rents went crazy. You know, Small Bay Industrial really on paper in. A situation like that should have gotten absolutely decimated and crushed and all those businesses should have closed but instead it was a it was a flood and a rush and um, then when you had all the um, inventory issues building up and people couldn't get their inventory, they started taking on more space which just add added to the problem of, of, of limited vacancy. So right now South Florida is sitting at a 2.8 percent vacancy rate 2.9 percent which is effectively full.
0: Wow. Wow. So historically, you've been in the business how long?
6: So, I mean, I've been in the business my whole life, but I've been at CB 10 years now. Well, 11 uh, in January is my anniversary. So
0: in 11 years, on average, what what used to be the on average uh, occupancy?
6: Oh, it, six percent, seven percent.
0: So, yeah. So two point eight percent of vacancies. Crazy, crazy, crazy low.
6: Yeah. And
0: what and and rents have gone up, right? So what percentage have rents gone up in the last 12 to 18 months?
6: Uh, in the last 12 to 18 months, I guess they probably went from, you know, $9, 10 11 depending on where you were, triple net, to 13 14 $15. Crazy. Huge and- jump.
0: Yeah. Is there any new development of, of industrial, or was there before the construction costs got crazy?
6: We we've always had a pretty steady uh, new construction pipeline. They build it as fast as they can find it and get it out of the ground. Unfortunately, it's taking two to three years to deliver product these days. So it's a natural barrier to an increased uh, vacancy factor because uh, you can't deliver it. Therefore, there is no vacancy. Uh, there's no new product. Anything that's getting delivered is getting you know, 20, 30, 50% pre-leased, generally speaking, which historically never happened in South Florida.
0: Never happened. And then what, so do, are you seeing people add to their square footage, like HVAC contractors, people buying in bulk? Like you mentioned that, yeah. is that what you're talking about earlier? Yeah. So yeah, it's been um, huge. Yeah, because those developers or or those retailers or those general contractors who need the stoves, the air, the HVACs, all of these things, they're hoarding it now and they need yeah. somewhere to put it.
6: Yeah, everyone needed more capacity. So people band-aided the situation and they took a space next to them or t- took a space with another owner or space nearby or next door or whatever. But at a certain point, it's just so inefficient that you've got to get under one roof and there was a huge flight to quality. And anyone who could afford it Um, took all their spaces, their two, three, four spaces, wherever they were, whether they're next to each other or throughout South Florida, and they combined them into one. And they all moved into class A, 32 foot clear, you know, rear load dock high buildings. And, um, you know, so in some cases doubled their space. They went from 30 to 60 or, you know, 60 to 120 and that kind of a thing. So,
0: so we have to talk about the A guys, the Amazon guys, how much do they have? How many square feet do they have in South Florida? Do you know?
6: Oh yeah, I'm actually not allowed to talk about that. <laughs> oh, you're not home oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, sorry. Them.
0: That's okay. No problem. Um, <laughs> there's a lot, so I can talk about them, but you sure. don't have to comment. Yeah. There's all this talk that they're giving back a bunch of square footage, but yeah. the numbers I have heard is that the stuff they're giving back is because they're they're, they're growing into more efficient space. And, and let me see, I ha- I have these numbers, I just, I, I just want to tell, the, okay, what I have heard, they have 110, not in just in Miami, I think in the US, I think these numbers are in the US, 110 million of existing warehouse space, and they have 400 million on the books, compared to Walmart that has 10 to 13 million. Yeah. So we're not you don't have to confirm that or deny that, but I, I think they're still going to be a very large user of industrial space going forward.
6: Oh, yeah, absolutely. They're going to catch up with their supply chain and they're going to continue absorbing space for the foreseeable future. Um, I think they're just catching up to where they need to be. And the sublease space that they've put on the market is not going to change or you know erode any pricing or anything like that. So it's on the market right now. It'll get leased up. Uh, they've got very low rents in place uh, because they signed their leases so long ago. So that'll be cheap space. It'll get gobbled up really quickly and it's not going to affect anything down here.
0: So what's going on with like this, those, the C and D or the B B minus C product out there are, is, are people buying it, assembling it, are they going to knock it down, rebuild new what's going on with that product?
6: Yeah, it's too valuable to knock down at this point. Um, so none of that is really happening. Chris drew, hit the nail on the head and he's where he's where the market is. And that's where I've been my whole career, which is interesting. So I'm glad that everyone's kind of coming in my direction, which I love. Um, So we sell a lot of those, you know, 10, 15 and under million dollar deals, whether it's on market or off market, um, just organically cold calling and knocking on doors. And those things are moving. Wait a minute. You
0: cold call and knock on doors?
6: Oh yeah. All day, all day, every day. My crew, my crew. You
0: could be called the canvassing King.
6: No, no, I won't take that title. (laughs) I won't take that title, but we do plenty of business and we're having a great time. So we're in a contract and or or have just closed around five or six deals for the end of the year. So we've got a lot uh, that's happening and we're more active than most because of the space that we play in um, and the fact that we're well diversified and nimble and we can jump in front of these opportunities before anyone else sees them.
0: So you're cold calling these B, C, and D product. They are too valuable to knock down. So if someone's buying them, and is the is are the groups that are buying them users, investors, or future assemblage
6: people? Uh, it's it's all three. Um, you've got the aggregators who are building a portfolio to then later sell to a larger fund who can't buy these one-off deals like that. Um, it's a lot of users probably two thirds of the deals we have under contract for the end of the year that are closing are user deals. Um, and then of course, just the standard, you know, investor who's just buying a deal here or there. It was, it was like a lot me and of, you. like you and Yeah. Me. Right. Right. So anyone who can scrape together a couple of bucks is, uh, is taking a hard look at the market right now. When everyone's got a lot of fear and their pencils down and um, investment committees are saying, no, 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 it's time to say yes, yes, yes.
0: Absolutely. So are people saying no, no, no?
6: Yeah, a lot of funds and institutions have paused uh, to see where the market lies. They feel like things could potentially uh, come down and pricing could be reduced. I mean, interest rates went up pretty significantly. Cap rates went up pretty significantly. So that has affected the market. There's no question about it. But on the flip side, leasing has never been stronger. And every deal that's getting signed is higher than the last deal that was just signed. So we've got incredible rent growth. We've got no vacancy to speak of, really. Um, Anything that's getting built is getting absorbed and the market is really fundamentally very strong. Um, It's just the whole interest rate cap rate spread is what everyone's trying to figure out. So I think the more cautious people are on the sidelines and then the more aggressive people are buying everything they can get their hands on.
0: So uh, were you on the I don't know if you were listening, but Barry Wolf was the first speaker and he talked about how Tampa Mm
5: -hmm. has
0: (laughs) leapfrogged. To be the number two city behind Miami in the state of Florida by I don't know, some stat that he found. Oh interesting. That's a port city, obviously. And 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 in my with my retail hat on, because I'm not industrial, I presume port cities are great for industrial.
6: Do you yeah, guys Miami has been crushing it? Um yeah. and they've seen a lot of that. I mean, I would say, you know, probably around 30% of the deals that were signed nationally or um, 3PLs, uh, What's that? so
2: what 3PL? third-party
6: third party logistics firms. Oh. So they're shipping things for other people. Um, so things are coming in, they're getting racked and they're going back out. So it, it's been incredible. Uh, anyone who really understands industrial real estate and wants to own it or invest in it um, is really focused on any port city, really anywhere in the country, You know, New York, New Jersey, LA, Miami, so big, big Tampa, port cities are. Tampa. Sure.
0: So sure. are you, are you, do you do work also? Are you seeing the, the high occupancy, low vacancies also in um, Fort Lauderdale? I don't know if there's any industrial, West yeah. Palm or in yeah. Jacksonville, I'm, I, you know, it it all in Tampa, right? So how, how is yeah. the rest of the state doing?
6: Yeah, I'm, I'm really just a South Florida guy. So, okay. I mean, you know, Broward's at 3%. Dade is at 2.8% and Palm Beach is at 2.3, 2.5% vacancy right now. So they're all effectively full. And, you know, Dade is the biggest market by far. Um, and then Broward is about half the size. And then Palm Beach is about half the size of Broward. So as you go north, you get smaller and smaller in terms of the industrial supply. Have you added to your team in the last year? Oh, yeah. We've hired a bunch of people. Um I would say over the last two years, we're probably, we've probably we probably hired five, five or six people, I would wow. say. So
0: um, I, on a side note, you posted something, I think, on LinkedIn that you said, students never call me and ask for advice. And I must, yeah. have, said, I must have sent that to 10 students. Tell calls. me <laughs> they all called.
6: Some of them called. Some of them reached out. I still have to get back to a few of them, but I'm okay. going to wait and see how persistent they are.
0: <laughs> I said, be careful what you wish for, right? All right. Now,
6: I love those calls. I love helping out and doing anything I can to help anyone out there and that's why I make all this crazy content. It's not for me.
0: All right, so three th- quick things. One, your prediction for 2023 in industrial in Miami.
6: Yeah, I think uh Q1 and Q2 are going to be slow only from the standpoint of there's no space. Q3, Q4, um there's going to be a delivery of quite a bit of space uh that's been in the pipeline forever. Um we have Perfect a lot timing.
0: of products. Perfect timing
6: yeah. for that guy. Right we we it is perfect timing we have a lot of that product um i would say is that ours.
0: Prologis we, stuff
6: it's everyone it's Prologis. it's bridge it's link it's it's everyone um modlo um so you know we're excited about that to have some vacancy to actually lease because it's sort of a log jam right now there's really nowhere to go there's there's no upgrading of your facilities anymore and anyone who has space left is asking really strong rental rates which they should be from 16 to really 18 triple net, uh, for new buildings. And, um, there's just, there's just not a lot of options. There's a couple in Dade, maybe two or three, there's one or two in Broward and that's it.
0: Tenant rep brokers are calling me every day, asking me if I have 25 or 26 expirations. And I say, well, if I did, I would not be negotiating with you now.
6: That's awesome. Yeah. I, uh, little trade secret. I, I'm ahead of my renewals two years in advance just because like everyone else is a year out. I don't want to be two years out. I just okay. want to get ahead of them. So I don't mind sharing that, I guess, but that's, that served me very well.
0: So my last question, which I've asked everyone mm-hmm. you've heard, cause I've, I've seen you there.
6: Mm-hmm.
0: Is there going to be a recession in Miami?
6: No, <laughs> no, no chance. I mean, things are ripping. <laughs> uh, have you gone by Aventura Mall or Bell Harbor shops or tried to go eat in a restaurant or you know, I don't go to the movies, like everywhere's packed and people are walking out with bags of stuff. So, I mean, yeah, I don't, I think the amount of Amazon boxes have increased uh, lately to my house then decreased. So, you know, I think the market is going to continue to rip in South Florida. And uh, I think the interest rate thing has to figure itself out, obviously. So we'll see where that lies, but people will work within the confines of what they're they're given by the market and they'll figure it out so i think the velocity of sales may pull back and there won't be as many but there's still going to be plenty i would say it's gotten back to normal rather than it being this hyperinflated environment it's more just kind of what it was before covid which is perfectly fine with with all my clients
0: absolutely okay so before we go to our next and last speaker if anyone wants to know anything industrial in south florida how is the best way for them to get in touch with you?
6: Uh, you can just Google my name, Larry Jene, G-E-N-E-T. And I, well, you off pages of stuff. Um, or you can hit me up on LinkedIn also.
0: LinkedIn. Larry, thank you so much. And, and now you know Lyle's going to take us all to, to dinner at Carbone. You saw that, right?
6: I'm in. <laughs>
0: okay. Thank you so much.
6: All right. Bye.
0: Happy holidays. You too. all right our last speaker we are waiting for her to join us are you guys enjoying this i'm getting so many great comments there is going to be a replay who who's which which speakers or what did you hear tonight you guys in the comments that are still with me what are you hearing that surprised you or that you love is it isn't it amazing? Most everyone said no recession in South Florida or in Miami. Eric, you loved it. Tom O'Laughlin liked Larry's insight. Gina Marie liked the panel. Love the love the chatting, love the comments. We are going to give our speaker another few seconds. I mean, in suburban retail we have not, our, my occupancy is higher than it's ever been. We, um, I always say that 100% lease shopping centers, the rents are too low. I mean, yeah, the rents are too low. And I unfortunately, or fortunately have three of those right now. So uh, I always believe that, that you, that 100% lease shopping centers is kind of a fat and happy landlord who's who's happy with having full occupancy and they're not really pushing rents. So um, for me to have three of them full at this moment is a a very unique uh, situation. But like I said earlier in some of the interviews I did tonight, I've got tenant rep brokers calling me asking if, if I have any expirations coming up in 25, 26, 27, and 28, because in retail, because of construction costs, we are not going to see development for a long time in South Florida. I, I'm predicting in the next three to five years, um, you know, if there's something in entitlements now and they're hard, they're, they've closed on the, the land and they're in for entitlements and they can get permitting, and the retail tenants will pay the rent. For them to get the return on the construction costs maybe those deals will happen but we're going to see very few developments going forward because people cannot pencil these deals and construction costs are just crazy high and the tenants haven't caught up now what you heard tonight with how crazy busy you know um south florida is and for sure i track all my tenant sales There are the revenues of the tenants are higher significantly than they were in 2019. So if the tenants can start increasing their rents and uh, making the projects pencil with the construction costs and the higher interest rates, maybe there will be some development, but nothing like what it was. And with 800 people a day moving to South Florida and $24 billion of wealth moving to South Florida, the demand will stay high for a very long time. And with the supply being super low, we will I think it's going to be an owner's market for from from now on for the next three to five years, which is I'm I'm very happy with, but I would like to buy shopping centers and it's really hard to buy and certainly super hard to develop because of the construction costs. So um, I see I believe Michelle has joined us. I am, she's having some technical difficulties. Uh, Michelle, if you can hear me, you I did see you connected uh, a few seconds ago. Do brokers can com- get compensated for lease renewals the same as a new lease? Uh, no, uh, in retail, typically bro- brokers do not get compensated on renewals at all. I do know that in office leasing, Um, They do. I'm not sure about other asset classes. So, Michelle, um, the connection was in your link in the email. So if you can go to your email and I did see you on the camera a few minutes ago. Sorry, I can't connect you. Sorry, guys, for the technical difficulty. Maybe um, try it again. Do what you did before, because I did see you on the camera when you first joined us. Okay, we're going to try her one more time. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for your patience. We're going to hear from Michelle and luxury sales, residential. Unfortunately, it looks like we're not going to be able to connect with Michelle tonight. Sorry about that, everybody. Sorry, Michelle. I wish I could help. I don't know how to, I've, I've been trying to do it here. Yeah, I'm sorry. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed uh, all of our speakers tonight. I If you did, Uh, share when we, when we post this on LinkedIn, share it with your friends. And if you have any interest in coming to South Florida, you have a group of experts that are willing and ready to help you and help you expand your business to South Florida. Thanks everyone. I hope you enjoyed this happy holidays, happy new year, happy and healthy new year. Take care.